नमस्ते एवरीवन ग्रीटिंग्स फ्रॉम अंशुमान तिवारी एंड मैनेज बेटर सो ग्लैड टू बी हियर दिस इज आर फोर्टी फोर्थ शो नॉट काउंटिंग क्वालिटी सीरीज दैट आई डू सो वेरी प्लीज विद द अफेक्शन एंड फॉन्डनेस दैट आई रिसीव फ्रॉम यू ऑल मेनी ऑफ यू हैव मैसेज वेरी एनकरेजिंग कॉमेंट्स ओवर द लास्ट टू थ्री ईयर दैट आई बिन डूइंग दे इट इज नाउ रीच द स्टेज वेयर आई फील लाइक इट इज माई ड्यूटी एंड रिस्पॉन्सिबिलिटी टू कीप ब्रिंगिंग दिस शोज टू यू so here i am with yet another interesting show a topic that has actually been requested earlier very few topics have been requested most of the topics i bring the guest and i think okay this will be a good topic how can i merge it with the manage better branding that i have but today's topic was requested so this today's topic is about how do how do we plan for financial independence as we get ahead in our career as as you get a little older and you get your in your career you know thing or two about financial independence but usually that is not enough as i touched 50 last year i realized that many goals were slipping away from my grip and it was important that i get a handle on those goals some goals are related to things you wanted to like writing a book or or you know or money or general life or relationships i of course can't solve all of this neither for myself nor for you but money was a common theme for many of these goals i will be the last person to say that money is everything but money is actually very very important if you don't take care of your own money nobody else will so it is like health also right if you invest in it it will grow if you invest in your health it will get better and obviously also with the recent layoffs in in certain industries people have become a little bit more uncertain about what is the future will we have enough money inflation is going up job uncertainty is higher upskilling may solve some problems but may not solve everything there are new realities that our generation is facing that was not faced by our parents and so on and of course our children will face even more new uncertainties so money has actually become a very very important part of our life another factor is that life expectancy globally and in india has significantly increased in the last 25 years i'll give you an example in india in 2000 life expectancy was 62 62 years in india only 22 years ago at the cusp of the millennium and now it is 71 so we will in general on an average live for nine more years what are you and me going to do for those nine more years and where will be the money coming from to take care of ourselves and how will we plan for the money so that itself has set me thinking that if we are going to live longer we obviously want to live longer in a healthy form you don't want to drag along and that will need money so which means that money has to be invested and earned today and not at 70 with that background and inference and of course you know one important thing is that the retirement age is the same in most companies so you just live longer without any income i don't want to scare any of you but it is important that we understand the context i'll now bring in the guest but before i bring in i will give you a short introduction i asked him for introduction and he gave me barely a introduction like you know so i had to actually cobble together the introduction but good friend vinod bhat is a senior vice president portfolio manager and equity strategist at aditi mc TMC is a asset management company, as many of you may know. Uh, Vinod comes with an overall experience of over two decades, and a lot of that is into the same space of banking and financial system. But that's not the reason he is here. He is here because he has recently written a book, which is already busting the charts. I will show you the book. He 
He's a very reluctant person. So later on, he may not allow me to show you the book. So here it is, Running the Financial Independence Marathon. And this book has really opened the eyes for many people, including me, that if we don't start running now, we may not have time to run and how to run that. So anyway, coming back to the introduction. So he's, of course, we played various roles in, in Villa Group and earlier with Credit Suisse and Ocean Park Advisors in the U.S. as well. Below there's a CFA and has done his MBA in finance from the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania, MS in industrial engineering. So that is where we have something in common. I have a BE in industrial engineering, so slightly similar and many other qualifications, including from deep Bombay. One more thing, he's a marathoner, regular marathoner. So I have been one earlier. I have taken a break for three, four years. And so that also is a little bit common. Oscar, how are you What's today? That? Good, good. I am uh, Welcome to the show. And uh, anything you would like to add or, or give any opening comments before we get into the questions? Yeah, Apart no, from the book, I, I have already shown the book. So this is already doing really well on Amazon. So congratulations on that. And looking forward to the show today. But any opening comments that you have? Sure. No, first of all, really want to thank you, Anshuman, for having me on your show. You know, we got acquainted during the LECAP program and met in Bangalore also. And since then, I mean, I'm always amazed by your support, not just for me, but for all the entire LECAP cohort. Like, you know, all our, any messages that we put up, posts that we put up, you're the, typically the first one to like and respond and like, you know, show your encouragement. So, you know, we're very you. few people are so generous. So that's what makes you stand out. And also admire your consistency in terms of like the book reviews that you do where every week you're putting out a review for a book, right? So that is also something that immediately makes you stand out, maintaining that consistency. And right now I see our relationship more like a symbiotic one where I'm writing and you, you are reading and you review. So, so that works well for us. And I just want to mention like, just to add to what you said, my book, The Financial Independence Marathon is all about how we can manage our finances better. And since your show is titled Manage Better, so I think like, you know, it's apt that we discuss that today. Absolutely. And I think I, like I said in the intro to the show, I got interested into financial, I won't say independent, but better financial management a few years ago when I started to realize that, look, we will of course continue to make some money. God willing, we'll continue to have a job and continue to make some money. But if we don't manage it well, it doesn't grow. And that's where I started learning about the power of compounding and other topics and started investing heavily in mutual funds and some stocks. I burnt my fingers as well, but that's part of learning, So, which we will cover later on. So, And every year I've noticed that my own understanding of the game has become better. When I started reading this one, I said, okay, I don't know the surface even, you know, so there is so much more to know. So thank you, first of all, for writing this book. And writing it in a very engaging manner. So those who haven't read the book or haven't know, seen it, it is available on Amazon. It has been written in a conversational style. So it is not written as a textbook. What is amazing is that, you know, it is like a, like this conversation, like two people talking or more than two people in some chapters. They are talking amongst friends. The concept is explained through that conversation. Extremely creative way. This show is to take what we can learn from, you know, in terms of, financial independence. I have some tough questions for you already prepared. So we will take those first. Okay. The first one is very obvious. What really is financial independence and why is it important? You know, so 
one way to think of financial independence and in which your early starter will think and i have i was one of them that if i can buy anything i can think of i am financially independent now there is nobody in the world who can do that including you know jeff bezos and others and elon musk and all they can't buy everything so that is obviously stupidity to think that you financial independence is when you can buy anything that you can think of so it is something else so what is it in your language so you know going back to comment you made in the introduction if you feel just think about it like for most of us life ends up being a race to make money it's either for survival right or to add more zeros to our bank account and in in this race kind of you know we end up forgetting the purpose of money right so so from our school days we learn that you know time is money right but the opposite is actually more important to understand that money can create time right so what i mean by that is that you know we all know we have limited amount of time in this world and time is the most important non renewable resource so what is the purpose of money it's essentially you know financial independence means that if we can reach a stage where we can control our time right that means that you know we can live life on our own terms and then we can do what makes us truly happy right so that is what financial independence means it's not just about having a lot of money in the shortest amount of time being able to buy whatever we want because that may not lead to real happiness right so the point is look next think about what will make us happy and ensure that money doesn't become a constraint so i'll give an example i'm here in kolkata since the past two days and uh, yesterday i met a businessman like you know who is running a brokerage business for, the, for more than 25 years and of course he went through a lot of struggles in his initial years but now he's reached a stage where he decides which clients he wants to work with right? so he works with retail investors he works with high net worth individuals right but for example if any potential client tells him that they are expecting him to give stock tips he just refuses to deal with them right because he's, he he doesn't want to do it right it may he can end up giving him more business but he doesn't want to do it or for example if somebody starts handling on his commissions and so on he refuses to do business with them right so so he's reached a stage where money is not a constraint from him for him and he wants to do something in a way that makes him happy that's one way i met a couple yesterday both of them were working professionals and both of them retired at 50 and i asked them so like you know what are you doing now so they are both into art and painting because that's what it makes them happy right but these are just two examples right and the way i think about it for myself is you know if if i could control my time if i am not answerable to anyone what is it that i would like to do that would give me true happiness right and that is what financial independence helps us to do so that is the right way to think about it fantastic i think i won't say that you made it spiritual but you def- definitely made it more having a calming influence that it is neither easy nor out of reach yes. that is how i look at it so it won't just happen by sitting around you will have to do something about and that is where i i can relate it to the pa- other passion that you have which is running although yes. we will not discuss yes. running today but since i have done a little bit of running including several half marathons and two full marathons i know a little bit of what you might be going through when you do full marathons on a regular basis and that's probably why you titled the book the way it is that it is a financial independence marathon it is not going to you can start today but it is not going to end tomorrow it's it's a very very long journey and you have to enjoy the journey like you enjoy a run 
Yeah, exactly. So just to add, see, financial independence is not a goal that we like, you know, strive for, right? It's like you mentioned, it's a journey that we go on. And like any other journey, it's if we learn to enjoy it, we can sustain it, right? Else we will stop in between, right? So, so I'm, you know, I'm part of a running academy, like when there's a coach and he helps us train and we train during weekdays and go on long runs on Sunday, right? And many times new people come, they come for a few days to try it out, right? And you can see that, you know, when they come and the coach asks them, what's, you know, what do you want to do? So they say, okay, my goal is to run the marathon, full marathon next year, right? And then, okay, the coach is fine, like, you know, just go and run 100 meters and come or run for 15 meters and come, right? And they go all out, right? And they come back and they are tired because they have not been doing this. And then you can see just over the next two, three days, most of them drop out. So, because, you know, the, in their mind, running a marathon is a, is a goal that they want to do, right? Whereas people who, who run marathons, you know, who have been doing that, they understand that to run a marathon, you have to enjoy running, you know, that's what, like your goal, I mean, it's not a goal, it's like, okay, I enjoy running and that's when I will be able to run the full marathon, right? So that's only when I can sustain it. It's a similar way, financial independence, if I... Just put it as a goal that I want to earn or I want to have X amount of money in my bank account, then I'd be financially independent and I can do what I want. You may not be able to sustain it because then you will think, okay, let me try to earn that money as quickly as possible, do whatever it takes, right? It's just like going all out in running a 100 meter sprint and then getting tired and then forget about running a full marathon, right? So instead of that, just keep in mind that fine, like, you know, it's a journey that I will be on. It is going to take some time. But I want to enjoy it. And that's the only way I will sustain this journey. Absolutely fascinating. So, you know, and I can totally relate to what you're saying because I've seen this happen, including I was one of the persons who went away after two, three days in the first time that I tried. But then I thought about it and realized that obviously it is not going to happen in one week or one month. It is much more than even a year practice and training and hard work that will get you there. But uh, coming back to the financial independence topic, so I did mention briefly that, you know, with the current economic scenario and all, financial independence actually even becomes even more important. Yes. And at least running towards or going towards financial independence becomes more important. So some industries have been laying off people recently. And you and I know, being in the industry, senior people that, you know, this will keep happening. It may happen this year, it may not happen for two years, then it will again happen for some time. So. This is a cycle you and I have seen many times, but would being on the path of financial independence have helped some of the people who are impacted, particularly slightly mid-career and senior people? Would, would that have helped in any way? Yeah, definitely. See, I think, you know, I have been reading some of the messages on social media and in newspapers that people who have been recently let go, right, that they have put, right? And in a majority of the cases, like more than 90% of the cases, it's apparent that, you know, most of these people were not prepared. It came as a shock to them, right? And uh, there are two aspects to this. So one is, of course, the immediate reaction where most of them then, you know, start looking for a job, for example. And then they're in a race against time because especially for, you know, people in the middle ages, they have a lot of responsibilities, right? Whether it's your EMIs, your kids' education, your responsibilities of your parents, for example. If you're not taking separate medical insurance or if you're thinking about a retirement, like all of these kind of gives a lot of stress, right? Because you're not prepared or you're not thought about all these aspects, right? So then it becomes a race against time to quickly find another 
job, another opportunity. And uh, in that desperation, many people then take up some job that which may not be the best fit for their interests and, you know, their capabilities. So it's like taking a step back in your career. And uh, instead of that, for example, if someone thinks through it, you know, while they are doing the job and things are okay, I need to have an emergency fund in place. Anything can happen at any time, right? So at least let me build up an emergency fund of one year, which can take care of my expenses for one year. In case something untoward happens, it may be job loss, it may be a medical emergency. So that gives you breathing room, right? Shad? In the sense that you are in control, right? You can take three months, six months to find a good opportunity that you like rather than being forced to jump into something that is not per as your interests and capabilities, right? So that is a one something in the short term. But now, like you mentioned, if we, if we take a medium to long term view on this, there is a lot of disruption that's going to happen now, right? Like we've already seen, for example, now this, this chat GPT coming in. You can see that a lot of work that people are doing right now can be automated, will get automated. And it's not going to be like us where, you know, somebody will be in a particular role for 10, 20, 30 years. Right? The cycles are going to be shorter for the next generation. Then it, it, it may not be just layoffs. It may be like disruption happens and you have to move on. You have no choice, right? So in that case, being financially independent becomes more important because, you know, the disruptions will happen faster. You have to keep shifting to something different. Like, you know, maybe every three to five years, you never know, right? And what do you do in that case? So, so there it becomes more important that you have some savings that you can fall back on. So, for example, personally, you know, when I started, I was very naive. Like, you know, I didn't have any background in finance. And I started working in the US and I was very fortunate that one of my seniors came to just have a chat with me a few months into my job. And he advised me to start saving and investing, right? And till then, I'd never thought of it. Like, my paycheck used to come, I used to spend money and whatever remained in my savings account, right? That was the first time I put some thought into, okay, what do I need to do? And I started investing and so on, right? So then slowly over time, I built up an emergency fund of one year, then it, I built increased it to two years. And right now, I have an emergency fund of three years, right? So I have those funds in FDs and that gives me some confidence that if anything happens, whatever it is, right, at least I will have some time to think through things and find something good that I like to do rather than being forced into doing something that I don't want to do. So, so that again is a basic thing which especially, you know, the younger generation needs to understand because the earlier you could start, the better off it will be. And the middle age, whoever is there, I mean, they, they can do it a little bit more easier in case their income levels are higher. But this is the first step one needs to take, especially given the current environment. Three years of emergency fund, you know. So those in the audience, extremely important. Maybe tip number one or not even tip, life lesson number one is that please have an emergency fund, minimum one year. And if you are prudent as we know, then maybe even three years. Minimum one year is what he suggested. Emergency fund is something that you keep it aside from your savings and other things and you it is completely for your consumption if something really goes wrong. You are not dipping into your savings, you are not dipping into your investments, you are not dipping into your other things that you are trying to create. Right. So it, it's like a better version of liquid money in your bank. General principle and saving we know some time is that you, you estimate your basic expenses, not fancy expenses, basic expenses and use that for 
one year. This should include anything that you are paying, right? So you cannot stop EMI, you cannot stop other right. things. All of that is in, in this. So if you are making mutual fund investments, moderate least, and any EMIs and all, all that is included in this. Generally, one year is, particularly in volatile times, one year is minimum expected because that is the time you will need to bring back your career on track. So one topic we discuss, of course, emergency fund, which is extremely important for a financial independence journey. Little bit more deeper into this, we know now, much of financial independence is about multiple income streams and having a passive income stream as well. So multiple income streams, some of them may, may be active, but definitely some passive. Right? Is this right? You know, this is my understanding uh, after having explored the subject for last few years. And can you explain this a little bit more for our audience? What is active, what is passive and how do we get into this? So that that is the traditional understanding that, you know, financial independence means we should have multiple passive income streams, but I have a slightly different take on that because see what has happened is I have seen in my own family how my close relations are saving and investing and over the past four years as part of my job I have done more than 400 sessions with all types of investors retail investors high net worth individuals mutual fund distributors financial advisors so it's given me a lot of inputs and perspectives into how people think and just as an example especially in India so many people think okay one way to get a passive income stream is like, you know, we buy some properties and we get rental income, right? And many people do that. They buy multiple real estate properties and try to get some rental income out of them. And that's the reason why real estate is such a popular investment in India, right? But one needs to keep in mind that if you see the last five, six years, real estate hasn't been a good investment as such. There hasn't been an appreciation of your capital. And typically the rental yield ends up being much lower than any EMIs or the payment that you're making for that property. So it may not be a good investment. And that's why I prefer to think of financial independence in a slightly different way. So where, see the, the, the first point is that our investment first has to beat inflation. And then second, it should be able to generate income that can cover our expenses. So that is, that is what I said earlier. If I am getting an income at the end of the day that covers my expenses, then I am free to do what I like to do, right? So that is the whole point, right? So now, how do we achieve this? And the, the best way to achieve this is to understand some basic concepts, right? The first concept is compounding, right? So what it means is that we have to find some investment avenues where the interest that for the, you know, the interest income that you get or the profits that you make are higher than the inflation rate. Okay, that is a basic point. Second is to understand the concept of risk before return. Now, typically, anything that gives a higher interest or higher profits than your bank FDs is associated with slightly higher risk, right? So you need to understand what is the risk involved in that particular investment. And that's where we come into the concept of asset allocation, right? So, so then you need to understand basic concept of different asset classes, whether it's stocks or bonds or mutual funds or passive funds or even like this entire crypto NFT craze that happened or investing in startups, right? We need to understand the basics of these asset class in terms of what is the risk involved, what kind of returns they can generate. Historically, what has been their track record, right? Is it right fit for our kind of way of thinking? Everybody has a different risk profile. Everybody has a different way of thinking. So is it a good fit with how we think, right? So you understand the basics of these different asset classes and then we need to diversify across these asset classes. So our portfolio should have some exposure to 
multiple of these asset classes, right? So in my own portfolio, of example, like I said, I have my emergency fund in FDs, right? I have investments in equity mutual funds, in fixed income mutual funds. I have some direct investments in stocks, right? Recently, I have invested in a, in a few startups also. I've stayed away from crypto though. So it's not necessary that, you know, we have to have an investment in every asset class. But the idea is like, you know, if you see historically, at different points in time, different asset classes do well. Okay, So for example, in one year, equities, which is stocks, the stock market may do well. In another year, for example, gold and silver may do well. In a third year, fixed income or bonds may do well, right? So the, the concept is that these asset classes are called have to be negatively correlated because if one doesn't do well, something else does well. Right? And hence, from a portfolio point of view, we need to diversify across these asset classes and that overall portfolio end of the day has to generate a return which is higher than inflation and which can cover my expenses. Right. So that's if that happens, then I'm financially independent. Then I don't need to depend on a job or anything else to cover my expenses, right? I can only depend on my investment portfolio and then I can go and do what makes me happy. So that is the way I think about it. And I think that is the best way rather than the traditional way where we think, okay, let me just, you know, invest, buy some real estate and depend on the rental income or, you know, let me look at where I can get the highest interest rate on some loans and do that, right? So that may not work. Yeah, especially I think like you explained very beautifully that, you know, with varying, of course, today there are multiple asset classes compared to maybe 25 years ago. So that, of course, more choice creates more confusion. Plus, uh, you know, our goals are different. I think you clearly said that when our income from these sources is can cover our expenses, that's the time when we can start thinking of, about doing what we want to do or or we may feel independent, relatively independent. So yeah, so that that's important. Before we move, there are a couple of questions. I think you you stirred some audience by talking of emergency fund. Kostov has asked a question around in what form should we keep the emergency fund? You said FDs, but are there any options? So I know some options, but I would like to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, sure. So you know, FDs is the easiest to do. That's why we kept it there. But the next best option is some the fixed income mutual funds essentially right so these may be liquid funds these may be ultra short term funds or some low duration funds so anything where the risk is low you know where you will not lose that money i mean you can't afford to lose your emergency fund right so, risk so is low and maybe liquidity is slightly higher, higher like you mentioned yeah. debt related fund so just just to add to that because the, the reason i have kept three years in emergency fund because i have a separate mutual fund portfolio also right so so in case, I'm not suggesting three years, but even like in one of my LinkedIn posts, I'm sure you will remember, I had mentioned that who is one right. of the co-founders of Zerodha. He has an emergency fund of five years, right? So everybody mm -hmm. has a different view based on their experiences in life. Right? So you may, I mean, that's what I said. One year should be sufficient. It's basically, what is the role of the emergency fund that gives your breathing time if something untoward happens to like, you know, connect yourself and think through your next move and make the best move possible rather than a suboptimal move, right? And I think, you know, I, I can add my uneducated views here that as you get a little older, A, if un something untoward happens to your career, it may not be possible quickly to return to work, right? right? So if you are 25, you might find a job again in three months, six months. But if you're 50 like me, you may not find another job in three months. So yes. it obviously takes long. That second is that your responsibilities are much higher. You have elderly parents, you have growing children. 
and you know a household to manage so obviously the requirement is also higher and for longer right. so what may be okay for a 25 30 32 35 year old will not be okay for somebody who's more senior in age or right. in career because they may not be able to come back at all and they may actually move into retirement from there you know that happens to it has happened to some of my friends and can happen to us but so that's another aspect which people who are slightly senior may want to keep in mind that their needs are very different from a 20 25 year old and the one year works for that age group but and for nikhil kamath because his obviously his life is different so he is more prudent and maybe less risk averse and maybe that's why running a fantastic company so my very good friend and half spiritual half businessman raj he is asking isn't if i a state of mind once the mind stop chasing anything we become free right and what do you think a gentleman so it's been a while somebody has called me a gentleman so i'll reflect <laughs> let let we know the answer to that question it's actually a comment more than a question he's right of course but anything that you can add to yeah, that yeah so that's what you know you see i decide i estimate what my expenses are going to be right so if i am in that state of mind when i can live like a monk right then i don't need a lot of money right so it's as simple as that whereas if i am if i am a household to manage right then it's not just my goals my expectations right my family members also have some thoughts on how they want to live their life and till they are independent it's my responsibility to make sure that you know they can do they can reach that stage right so it's right. not just about like you and me it's if we have people around us who we are yeah. responsible for then we have to think along those lines also so everybody that's what i you know i can't decide for example like you know how much money you need right only you can decide how much money to to think that you are financially free so it's a individual thing and that's why i said you know everybody has a different thought process and all the whatever i'm saying the investments that i'm talking about they may not be the right fit right so for example lot of people youngsters invested in crypto I think you and I didn't invest because it didn't fit our mindset, right? Something Correct. didn't kind of click, so we didn't invest. So it's the same thing. You were, you were not probably in that risk profile where we had the income to spare, and in a way, I'm glad. <laughs> But time will tell whether we were right or wrong. Yeah. I'm happy if I'm wrong in that sense because I made an informed choice. So right. yeah. you brought up a good point, and and thanks, Rajan, for your question. But you know, you brought up a good point about expenses. So generally, I feel that. no level of income is enough if we don't have a control on our expenses right. and uh, i was only yesterday in another show where i was the guest and i was speaking to a younger audience and i did share that if you are not saving more than 50% of your income you need to relook at your expenses because and 50 is a number it could be 45 it could be 60 but 50 is a number good number to think of if you are not looking at that number but that is the way i think any as an expert what is your say on this because i do feel that a frugal life and aggressive savings is is also a part of financial independence because that will allow you to have investment in 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 asset classes that will eventually grow so right. that is out of view but as i said we are informed and educated but anything on this yeah so here also see the the general way of thinking is our income minus our expenses is equal to our savings right that's how we think If I am earning hundred rupees, my paycheck is hundred rupees a month. 
then like, you know, let's see, I'm uh, at the end of the month, I'll see, oh, I spent, you know, 90 rupees, 5, 10 rupees of savings. And maybe I'll decide where to invest that, right? Or I may not end up with any savings at all, right? So we need to really invert this equation, right? So it has to be income minus savings equal to expenses, right? And what that means is, so for example, for somebody who is, a, let's say, a 25 to 30 year old, right? So if I'm getting 100 rupees as my paycheck, first thing to do, I save 20 rupees out of it, right? That means I have only 80 rupees to spend. So then I don't need to figure out what I can spend that on, right? So if it means that by the 25th of the month, I am almost out of money to, you know, spend, then I don't go and party with my friends. That has to happen next month, right? But that 20 rupees that I have saved is, I consciously see, okay, where I should invest that every month. Now, the reason I said is at a younger age, maybe the income is lower, so you can think of saving, you know, 20%. And Anshuman, like you mentioned, as we grow older, maybe the income rises and, then you can start thinking, okay, I'll save 30% every month, 40% every month, and like you see 50% every month, right? So, but the main point is income minus savings equal to expenses, right? That is the equation that should be there in our mind. That's the only yes. way that we can then, you know, build a portfolio that and we can have some hope of becoming financially independent. If you are always Waiting, like, you know, income minus expenses, we'll see and how much we save and then we'll invest. It's not going to work. It doesn't work, right? So we have all seen that in our lives. We have seen that with our parents, right? So so that has been proven to not work. So we need to be a little bit more proactive than that. And once, yeah. I mean, once we have saved the 20, 30, 40% initially, whatever amount is left, that you can decide whatever you know you want to spend on, whatever makes you happy. Fair enough. So obviously, you know, Younger people who are in this call or will see this show later, save first, invest first, then think of spending. That shiny phone can wait. And, you know, obviously, I know people, sadly, you know, who, whose phone purchase is more than their monthly income. Right. I, that is a sure, short way of digging a grave for yourself. And then when there is job loss or some other accident of some kind, then... People blame society, environment, company, government, and, you know, universe and Jupiter and Mars. But uh, don't look at what they could have done better. But uh, that's my rant. I will get over that. Sri Ram Balasubramaniam works with Apple. He has a question, other than emergency funds, which are the other structured funds we need to plan for? And uh, he has followed up that question with some example to clarify. Retire, example for retirement, child education, marriage, travel. Etc. Anything on this? Obviously, I think he's suggesting that should we invest in funds that will cover these uh, right. things. Yes, exactly. So, so this brings up a good point. So, you know, emergency fund is just for one goal, right? To meet any emergency that happens. Whatever example Sri Ram has mentioned. So, whether it's a child's education or marriage or you know purchasing a home or our own retirements and so on. These are all other goals that we will have on our journey, right? And in, in that sense, you know, yes, there are investment products that we should be in looking at. So the easiest for us to look at are these are mutual funds, right? So, you know, all of us are doing some job or having our own business and we are not full-time, most of people are full-time investors, right? So the easiest thing to do is, for example, to invest, to build a portfolio of equity mutual funds, fixed income mutual funds, and some commodity like gold or silver ETFs that maybe now, you know, separately are also investing in some real estate and so on, right? So, and the idea is that 
you start like what is called a monthly systematic investment plan or SIP. Right. So you you have these goals in your mind. You have some idea of how much money you will need, and from what from the amount that you are saving every month, you invest. You build a portfolio of maybe eight or ten mutual funds, and over time, right, that portfolio will grow. So you don't need to worry about like you know understanding what's happening in the stock market or timing the market, when to invest or not, and so on. Right. So every month, out of your savings, you are systematically investing. That money goes into these multiple mutual funds that compounds over time. Like that's where the concept of compounding comes in. So for example, if you look at our India stock market, for example, the Nifty 50 index, and if you look at the last 20 years, the average return, which is called the Kager return over the 20 years is about 14%. So your, so your money is growing on average at 14% a year. Now that is enough to beat inflation. Inflation typically in is by 6% on average, right? So you're beating inflation by almost, you know, 8%. So that's a fairly good return that one is getting. And if you sustain that for a period of 10, 15, 20 years, then you can easily meet all the goals, right? Whether it's your, our own home loan or, you know, a children's education, marriage, retirement, everything, right? So, so these are the simplest things like, you know, equity mutual funds, fixed income mutual funds, some of the commodity ETFs. And there are products now uh, where, you know, you just invest in one fund, which is called a multi-asset allocation fund or an asset allocated fund. And in that fund, you get this exposure across all these asset classes, right? So for example, the multi-asset allocation fund invests in stocks, in bonds, in gold and silver ETFs, and in real estate investment trusts, right? So you get exposure to different asset classes in just one fund, right? So all you need to do is on a monthly basis, you continue your SIP or systematic investment plan in, in these funds. And you... And the, the best thing is you can continue doing whatever you like, whether it's your job or your business or any other activity and your investments compound over time. Fantastic. So I hope, Sriram, you got your answer. Kostov is asking a slightly detailed question. There is a popular trend today, trend currently that we will make as much money as possible for 20-25 years and we will get retired or we'll retire by the age of 40 or 50 and enjoy retirement life. I can tell you, Kostov, nobody enjoys retirement life. So I'm not looking forward to it. In that sense that, what do you think about the financial freedom and strategies around it? But I think Kostov, you know, did cover a little bit that it is about the mindset of independence and the ability to do what you wanted to do. For that, your expenses have to be covered. But I let Kostov, you uh, know, that anything above what he has already said to this question. Sure. Yeah, so see, it's it's fine to think like, you know, okay, I'll retire by 40 or 50 and then instead of saying retirement, I would rather say do what makes me happy, right? That's a better way to put it, right? So if you want to retire and sit on the beach, that's okay. If you want to paint, write poetry, that's also okay. If you want to start your own business, you know, in something that you like, that's also fine, right? So that's the right way to think about it rather than saying retirement. Like he's saying like, you know, if you see retired people, they hate it, right? I mean, they want something to do, right? But now now coming back to your first part, which is making as much money as possible for 20, 25 years. So, so then, see, the, the right way to do it is to build a good investment portfolio, focus on risk-adjacent returns, and it will happen over time, right? Whereas the wrong way to do it is to think, oh, crypto is the asset class I want to invest in, which will make me the you know largest amount of money in the fastest time possible. And I put all my savings in crypto. It's basically speculation and then, you know, there is a high probability that we will lose our savings, right? So that has happened to many. So it, it's a good mindset to have that fine, like, you know, I will, I want to 
kind of become financially independent by X age, whatever it's 40, 45, 50. And after that, I'll do what makes me happy, right? And if I want to achieve that, then work backwards and have a realistic return, risk adjusted return in your mind, right? So it's not possible in most cases, right? Uh, if you think, okay, I'm going to double my money every year. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Because when you are doing something that can double your money, it can also mean that you, you get wiped out. You're, you know, you lose your investment. So a better way to think is, okay, maybe, you know, on average, I'll make 12% a year, right? So then how much money do I need to save and invest? And will it be enough for me to retire at 40, 45, 50 that you can work out easily, right? So, so that's the best way to think about it. So that brings a question, you know, that you said work out easily and, and throughout the last 10, 15 minutes, I've heard you talk about asset, multiple asset classes and other things. And of course, now as a layman, as somebody who knows a little bit, I understand the asset classes that you explained. Somebody younger may not understand because they are just starting the journey. What kind of help do you think they can get? You know, can they, you know, for example, there will be an executive coach if you want to help in your career. Right. For financial independence or, or something like this, would there be coaches? Would there be portfolio managers? You are one, but obviously you are one within an organization. But how does one go about it? Can somebody hire somebody or... Or you think just investing in more mutual funds, then that is okay for most people. So, see the key, if you want to complete a financial independence journey successfully, what the key is to start early and make informed decisions, right? Which you highlighted earlier. And how do we do that? So, first thing, like I mentioned, is to get the basic concepts clear, right? To understand the concept of inflation, compounding, emergency fund, risk before return, asset allocation, the basics of different asset classes before even you start thinking, okay, that, you know, I need to act on anything, right? And for that, I would suggest really that, you know, you can take a look at my book. That's what I have written the book for. So I kept my own family members in mind because I saw that many in my own family were not taking the right investment decisions, right? So and that gave me the motivation to write this book. So I hope that it will help all the readers to get the basic concepts clear, right? Now, once you have your basic concept clear, you will get a realization. Can I do this on my own or should I work with a financial advisor, right? So, for example, drawing a parallel to running and running marathons, which I've been doing for the past 13 years, it's only last year that I joined a running academy with a coach, right? For the past 12 years before that, I prefer to run on my own, right? Run solo because that gives me a lot of joy. But now I decided, no, like, you know, I'm growing older now and you hear all this, you read in the news, a lot of people getting health problems, having heart attacks, either in the gym or running marathons and so on. So maybe like, you know, I need to better I need to get to work with a coach and so on, right? And now I'm realizing the difference. I'm understanding some new concepts, which I didn't know about running within my threshold heart rate. So I bought a, a watch, which I never did earlier, which measures my heart rate and you know, I can keep track and I don't cross my threshold heart rate. So it makes things safer for me, right? So that would be the role of a financial advisor because what happens if when you are doing things on your own, you know, the markets are very volatile, right? So you may think that, okay, I will invest in the stock market today and I can expect a 12% return, right? But it may happen that the stock market will act 20, 25% in, in the next year. And it it will play on your mind, right? It will, it will lead to a lot of stress and you may end up panicking and exiting your investments at the wrong time. Right? Whereas if you have a financial advisor, there's somebody you will talk to and they can advise you that, fine, you know, markets have gone down 
but this is how it works. They go up and down. So if they have gone down, then it's better to invest some more money if you have a longer term horizon, right? So that gives a different perspective. Other thing is, okay, which asset classes, how much to invest in which asset class, which mutual funds to invest in, which stocks to invest in, right? If you have the interest and the capability and most important, the time to do the research and analysis and take those decisions, then you can do it on your own. If not, again, working with a financial advisor will make things easier for you. So, right? So, so the point is you think about what is it that you like to do, right? So, for example, the Panchuman, like, you know, he likes to read, he likes to write, right? He's doing other things. And if tomorrow he thinks that, okay, no, I want to manage my investments also on my own, then he, he, you have to budget that time, which will take away your time from the other things that you like doing. So, do you really want to do that? So, all these aspects are there, but step one is to get your basic concepts clear. And that's where I would highly recommend that at least you take a look at my book and then decide what you want to do. Do next. And just as a reminder, those who may have joined the show later, this is the book that we are referring to, Financial Independence Marathon, Unlock the Power of Your Money, which is already yours. And we know there's of course written this and Penguin is the publisher, available on Amazon already and doing really well. Very economically priced because his intention is to take the message across to a large audience. So Please have a look. Moving ahead, uh, you know, the, and while you were talking about the coach and the running thing, I did remember that I also start, did several half marathons without a coach. And after each run, I remember, you know, I was half dead. I had to be literally carried and my timing was 2.35. And for those who are not into this, you know, 2 hours, 35 minutes, 30 minutes, 32 minutes. But after that, I usually had like a one week break because my knees would be hurting, my ankle would be hurting, my back would be hurting. I had to be literally carried off track. So the joy of completing the run was there, but I realized that this is not how people run. And I am seeing so many other... I joined a running academy, Janiagar Jaguars, in, in, which is now there in many places. And within three, four months, six months, the first half marathon I did was 218. And I was fine after that. I went with the family for a lunch after that. I was absolutely fine. So it is not just the performance, but also the mental peace and the overall goodness that comes with working with a coach in any field, right? Not just financial, but sports and other fields as well. One quick question. What is the minimum maximum for 26-year-old doing well from an income perspective in terms of monthly SIP investment? What would be the top three or four areas in this group? Can, age group can invest anything you know this is yeah. a slight specific question so you know short of giving specific advice if you can give any general yeah so in general you know if you're saying a 26 year old who are doing well from an income perspective then it means you can take higher risk right you have time on your side it also means that most probably you are you will be able to save a bit more right depending depends on your lifestyle of course but assuming that you can you know save a higher amount you can take higher risk so larger proportion of your portfolio can be in equities or like, you know, equity stock, equity mutual funds is the easiest thing to do. So normally for your age group, you can have the highest allocation, like, you know, almost 75% or slightly higher even to equity mutual funds. And the remaining can be to some debt mutual funds and to commodity like gold or silver ETFs. But for you, equity mutual funds would be the way to go because you really have a long time horizon and time is, you know, on your side. Moving on, we are into the last few minutes. One or two more questions and then we will also check whether some 
question from the audience is there. What is rapid fire? What stock versus mutual fund? What would you so, have? So given that I work in a mutual fund company, there are a lot of restrictions on me. So I invest in mutual funds and I recommend mutual funds for the general public. I think something that you said earlier made a lot of sense, you know, that and you took my example and I, I'll, I'll continue with that example that I have a full-time job. I have, of course, other interests in reading, writing, you know, I'm quite active in these kind of, you know, social media. If I have to invest heavily in stocks and keep a track, I won't be able to have the time or the expertise. And if I want to build the expertise and give it the time, then I can't do the other stuff. And there is a, there is actually in the last three, four years when I started that, actively investing, I burnt my finger on two, three very infamous stocks that we will not name in this, including one IPO, which everybody suggested don't invest and I did. So after that, I've been extremely wise that, you know, mutual fund is fine. Or if you have to invest in stocks, just go for the major ones, which you know that in the longer run, do well. And anything on property versus gold, you know. So this is a question that when I spoke to some people about the show, and it has been a question with me as well. You know, property versus gold as investment, what is your view? It doesn't have yeah. to be one versus the other, but you know, what are the benefits called, pros and cons? Yeah, so we just need to understand the difference between these two asset classes, right? So property investment typically is a larger ticket size. Gold can be a smaller ticket size investment as in when we can do it, right? Second, yeah. property typically is more illiquid in the sense that you can't just exit your, mm. you can't just sell your house or your flat or your land when you need it for the price you want. Right? Uh, whereas gold typically has a market price, you know, it's easier to buy and sell where you want it. Right? Third, now, you know, you can buy gold in digital form. You can just buy a gold ETF or a sovereign gold bonds, which makes things very streamlined. You don't need to worry about the purity of the gold you're buying or, you know, storing it, the safety and all those aspects, right? Because it's just an ETF for us, a bond that you're buying. Whereas in property, again, there are all those issues associated. Like, you know, is the title clean? If you buy a land, piece of land somewhere or a house somewhere else, who is going to look after it, maintain it and so on? Right? So all those aspects are there. Now, given the you know mindset in India, of course, people like to have some tangible asset for their money, right? And that's why most people invest in real estate because it gives that tangible feeling, yeah, I bought that flat there, right? Also because unlike some other asset classes, real estate does not go down that much. So the yes. negative is limited. Upswing may not be as much. So historically, when people invested heavily in real estate, there was some logic because at that time, the in, in inflation was not that high. So they were saving it from downward swing. Right. But other classes could go down. Gold can swing, but usually real estate does not swing too much lower down. It may not go up, but it does not come down as much. So there are some pros and cons, like Vinod said, and please make informed decisions. One important thing, Vinod worked for a asset management company. It is important for us to remind you that none of the discussion in this conversation, entire one hour, is meant to be an investment advice. This is only an educational content shared. Any decision you take based on this, please consult an expert or do it at your own risk. Neither of us are legally liable to stand up for our advice in this. So it is important because obviously, you know, yes, some people do do the madness of picking one word and then hanging on to it and then accusing others of the advice. So this whole show is meant for opening our, our mind and eyes for various avenues that are there toward the road to financial independence. And that's the only intent.
I can maybe add a little bit, and then this is all there in your book as well. There are now slightly more liquid real estate opportunities as well, REITs, which are real estate yeah. investment trusts, which work very similar to mutual funds, but not exactly the same. So those who are who want to go deeper into this, you can you know speak to your financial advisor or do more research to get there. But in this show, we only wanted to open up your mind and also put you on the path to financial independence. And once again, if you want to do that, read you know, the book. Extremely well written in terms of a conversation. And I do read a lot, but I don't usually read more than a chapter or five to 10 pages at one time. But in this one, I read more than two chapters in one go, mainly because of the style that we know you've used, because it is highly conversational. It feels like you are sitting in that room when four friends, three friends, or a family member is talking and you are just listening to that conversation. So really well done. If I ever write a book, I am going to steal your style. The last question, and we are up on time, but last question. So we will, of course, read your book, right? I, I'm already reading, right? So you can see the bookmark as well. I'm already reading, but what is the book on financial independence or financial prudence or that kind of stuff you would recommend other than your book? I would really recommend uh, The Joys of Compounding by Gautam Bed. And so if you see the cover page of my book, he has yeah. provided a blog, right? So, because I really found, you know, in recent times, this is one of the best books. Not It's not just about investing, it's about investing mindset. What the book helps you do is understand yourself and other, you know, how others around us think. That's first step. Second is how to kind of think of investing in terms of like, you know, how to build a process for yourself. So it's about, okay, you can, as simple as having a journal where you note down whatever it is that whatever questions you have or what you need to think about. So if you're thinking about whether I should invest in real estate or gold, then what would, what are you thinking about? Like in terms of each asset class, why to invest or why not to invest? Because later on, you can come back and see, okay, why did I take that decision? And having a simple checklist when you are thinking through things about, you know, your financial obligations or the financial plan that you're building, right? Or whatever investment that you're doing. So if you have that documentation in place, it gives you more confidence and you can go back and see, okay, was I thinking in the right direction or not? Do I need to make any changes, right? And of course, he talks about investing for the long term, which is the right mindset to have, right? So like I mentioned, if, if we think of financial independence as a race, which we need to finish in the shortest time possible, making the most amount of money, the chances are very high that we will fail because then we have to invest in riskier asset classes and that most probably most of the time doesn't work. So it's important to have a long-term mindset. Like I said, think of financial independence as a journey, not just as a goal. And in that sense, this book, The Joys of Compounding, helps you build that mindset. Right. So it's not just about which stock to buy or which mutual fund to buy. It's more about building your own mindset. And I found it to be one of the best books I read on investing. Thanks, thanks, Vinod. Uh, just as a reminder, the book you know is referring is Joys of Compounding by Gautam Ved, and uh, also available on all bookstores. So, in case you want to go deeper or diverse your reading in this topic, you can use that. With that, I'll bring the show to an end. My apologies that we've gone over time a little bit, but this conversation was so engaging and interesting, and I could almost see that this is like a private tuition. Vinod is teaching me how to be more financially independent or to think about it. And I also had an audience. So thank you, Vinod, for, of course, being the educator that you are and my lovely audience. And, you know, my father has also attended the show today. So, so 
I'm hoping that I will get a lecture today later on what I did right and wrong, but I'll take. So once again, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks.